BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Happy January 6th weekend, everybody. Talk about uh, coups failed and... uh, successful. There's January 6th that we'll be talking about today, the non-coup of riot, uh, this riot of unarmed, armed insurrectionists, and the successful coup that's taken place in the last two plus years, five million illegal aliens successfully crossing our non-border border with complete impunity and immunity. That's the real coup, and the world obsesses with the uh, sideshow of the sideshow, the House Speaker and Barrow Leo. Welcome to the Bauer and Rose Show right here on JustTheNews.com and Sirius XM, The Patriot, Channel 125. Gary, uh, Happy New Year, and can you top that? Uh, I can. Happy New Year to you too, Tom. You know, uh, uh, that was a good summary of um, of what you intend to talk about on the show today. I have my own set of issues here. No, just just kidding. I wish people could see the look on on Tom's <laughs> face right now. Uh, you you did refer to the sideshow though going on in Congress, and let me just make an opening uh, remark about that, Tom. Uh, you know, there's a media narrative right now, and it's on all the media, including the Murdoch-owned media. New York Post, Wall Street Journal, and Fox News, that what's happening in the House of Representatives by these 20 rump conservatives is an embarrassment to the Republican Party. Let me tell you what is an embarrassment to the Republican Party. It's watching Mitch McConnell traipsing around the state of Kentucky with Joe Biden, who we say as a party is responsible for literally destroying the country, our credibility abroad, destroying our border, spending us into debt we'll never get out of, abortion on demand, indoctrination in our schools. But then Mitch goes and appears on a platform, hitting each other on the back, high-fiving, thumbs-ups, et cetera. And you wonder, people wonder why the Republican vote gets suppressed, the turnover is a turnout is not what was expected. And then I'll mention one other thing that was an embarrassment. Watching in the days leading to the end of the Congress last year, watching a not small group of Republican senators guarantee the passage of the misnamed respect for marriage bill that actually was an attack on religious liberty. And then watch a group of Republican senators and and some House Republican House members pass another big spending one point seven trillion dollar budget bill that literally in that one point seven trillion had added into it a sentence that literally says not one penny in this bill shall be used to uh, secure the border of the United States. That's what's an embarrassment to the Republican Party. That's what's going to kill the Republican Party. And, Tom, I I can't prove this, 
But I, I think it's possible that this mini rebellion by 12, 20 members may in part have happened because of those two things that they saw once again after we had won an election, so-called establishment Republicans undercutting everything the Republican Party is supposed to say. Unfortunately, and you and I might might disagree with each other on this, although I do agree with the absolute sentiment that uh, the problems of this country so supersede this nonsense about who the speaker will be. We'll get a speaker. There's no question. We'll get a speaker, and it'll probably be Kevin McCarthy. And my position is it should be Kevin McCarthy, and if he stinks at the job, get rid of him. But at, the, at, at this stage, we can't do anything if we don't have a speaker. There appear to be, and you're I just literally got back in the country, um, uh, so you're far more up-to-date on this than I am. And frankly, if I had stayed in the country, you still would be far more <laughs> up-to-date on this than I am. There are apparently three groups. Uh, there's a group of principled conservatives who, according to the New York Post on Friday, have entered into a letter agreement that just has a few I's to dot and T's to cross. There's another group of what appear to be dead-enders. I mean, I don't know what their game is or what their strategy is. They haven't proposed any alternative to Kevin McCarthy. They've nominated uh, this Matt Gates, of course, nominates Donald Trump on Thursday after trashing him on Wednesday when Trump has already endorsed Kevin McCarthy. Jim Jordan who a lot of these people are looking at, has endorsed Kevin McCarthy. I think it's a big mistake. I understand it, but I think it's a big mistake for uh, people to compare uh, negatively, that is, Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. Kevin McCarthy is not Mitch McConnell. Kevin McCarthy might not be uh, uh, our ideal of a House Speaker might might not have the fortitude of a Newt Gingrich or the uh, conviction or the ability to rally votes of the now disgraced, of course, Danny Hastert, who, by the way, was a, a very effective speaker in his in his day. But Kevin McCarthy didn't trash his own candidates, didn't uh, pick favorites in primaries. Kevin McCarthy gave millions and millions of dollars to candidates who now oppose him. Lauren Boebert, who's a very nice, I think she's, I like her. And if I lived in Colorado, a great place to live, I'd vote for her. But she didn't seem to have a problem taking $2 million plus dollars that Kevin McCarthy raised for her. She voted for him, for for minority leader twice, as did most of these other renegades. I'm not sure what, and I think we're spending too much time on this because I don't really think it makes that big of a difference. We'll get a speaker. It's inside the Beltway nonsense. It's a sideshow of a sideshow. But I don't understand what their strategy is, and they don't because they don't appear to have one. They don't have an alternative candidate. Um, they're dead enders. They're folks that are trying to negotiate a way out of this. And then there appear to be some folks, I don't know how many, who simply want to blackmail Kevin McCarthy into committee assignments. This a freshman who hasn't even been sworn in yet is uh, demanding committee assignments over other conservatives who've already been elected, been seated. Remember, for each committee assignment that you get, that means somebody that's already on that committee gets bumped off. Well, Tom, I, I think it, it, this does matter in this sense that the concessions that uh, have been uh, won by this uh, act of resistance – 
are things that every conservative in America, if they knew the details, would be in favor of. They're concessions that make it more likely that we will not be in another one of these situations where we end up controlling the House of Representatives narrowly and within very short order, conservatives are furious that nothing has changed. And I, I thought it was, I don't know if you heard it, you probably didn't, Tom, because you were out of the country, but Chip Roy from Texas. Uh, good guy, when, good guy. Yeah, very good guy. Um, he, he gave in one of the days he was nominating um, uh, whoever he was supporting at the time, gave this great uh, six, seven minute thing in the in the house uh, soliloquy on the floor of the house and he, and he said look around every seat in the house is taken we are debating things we're yelling at each other we're demanding more time to respond to what somebody else said this is what the house of representatives is supposed to look like tom i don't know if you realize this for six years, no member of the House of Representatives has been able to offer an amendment to a bill on the floor of the House of Representatives. That's that's outrageous. There, there all this. There's a big deal being made about. But he, he. But Kevin gave in on that. Well, he he did, but but he gave gave in on that after these twenty guys and ladies did what the entire Republican establishment... But isn't now a time to move on? He's given in about 90% of their... ...establishment uh, have objected to. I I don't don't get what this does more than humiliate or eunuch him, because he's up... Subsequently, he'll be... I think he'll be elected speaker, don't you? Yeah, well, I... I, Yeah, I do too, but but I just want to point out that, my friend, you and others were saying on day one they shouldn't be doing this. And they have won important victories for conservatives. So um, I, I think it's good. I will see what happens over the weekend. Uh, and, by, and by the way, you know, on Fox this morning, I mean, really, they, they must they must think like a liberal me. They must think we're idiots. Well, uh, if this wasn't going on, the Republicans would have been able to you know, repeal the 86,000 uh, new IRS agents. And uh, really, how are they going to do that? How they how is the House going to repeal the 86,000 new IRS agents? By not funding how that them. Actually by, not, work? by not spending bills have to originate in the House. That's the one area where the House really does have power and leverage. It's the power of the purse. So when the Senate puts that funding in some other bill, then we'll have to see how tough the the Republicans are. Then we'll have to see how tough the Republicans are. Well, Tom, I'm telling you that the, that the people in the house that will respond to that by saying, well, then we won't pass the appropriation bill and we'll just shut the government down. Cause that's, that's the only option. Mm Mm-hmm. The people that will be willing to do that are the 20 people that are fighting right now, including the dead enters, as you called them. But Kevin McCarthy has said, but and by the way, I'm no special pleader for Kevin McCarthy, but he said he's used quotes like over my dead body on the IRS funding bill. That's a new quote by any of the speakers of the House. Paul Ryan used that kind of language. You know, I mean, we've been hearing this forever, Tom. After a while, 
I mean, you, you just get back to basics. How is it that when we're in a minority and the Democrats control things, they win on fast forward? And when we're in the majority in a house or in two houses, they win in slow motion. If we win, how is it we never get to win? Why is it that we never get to win? Donald Trump had a Republican House and Senate for two years. Where's the funding for the border wall? Where is it, Tom? Good Republican conservatives walked around. Oh, we're for securing our border until they weren't because they got a call from some Fortune 500 company in their district. This is going on year after. Why did Donald Trump get nominated for crying out loud? Because when you polled Republican voters and asked them how they felt about the Republican Party, their number one answer was betrayed. So I think the time for, well, I don't like the tactics. Some of these guys are dead enders. Yeah, dead enders? What, what do you, what's Liz Cheney? What's Kissinger or whatever that Hades' name is? The party is bedeviled with people that are constantly blowing things up, but trying to move us to the left. Here are 20 people trying to move us to the right, and they're being called, they're being called insurrectionists, terrorists, etc., by fellow Republicans. Did anybody in the Republican House call Liz Cheney a terrorist? Or an insurrectionist? Of course not. What's the end game? I, I don't understand. I mean, what is if Kevin McCarthy's elected speaker and does a rotten job, get rid of him. There's the precedent for that. We just did it with 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 John Boehner. I mean, I, I just don't understand how a leaderless house. We got we got two years, Tom. Actually, we have one year. We have one year because the Senate Republicans sold out. And took care of appropriations through the year that the Republican Party would have a majority in the House. So in that sense, this year's already been wasted by Republicans, by Republicans. So the time to make changes that make it more likely that we will get some things done in the House is not after you've gone six or nine months in and realize Kevin McCarthy's not doing the job. I'm hopeful he'll do the job. But you do it now at the beginning when you've got some leverage and the rules of how the House is going to be run are established. Tom, I, I mean, I know we, we need to get onto other subjects, but you and I both were very critical of the fact where was the new contract with America? That was a Kevin McCarthy project. They came up with it. Oh, well, yeah, it's, it's going to, no, you wait, you wait next month. No, 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 uh, you wait till the end of the summer. Yeah, right. Oh, well, we decided to do it after Labor Day. They did it and they rolled it out in some, you know, Motel 6 in rural Pennsylvania. And you never heard about it again. Do you think anybody that voted Republican knew what the agenda was going to be? And what happened without us putting an agenda out there and running ads on that agenda? The Democrats defined what we were going to do. We were going to cut their so your Social Security. 
they they would they got away with that again because we did not put out an agenda. Here are the things we're committed to doing. Tom, why were there almost no ads run during the election on the open border? Why why was that? And then when we didn't win 30 seats, everybody went, how could people vote for Biden with the open border? The polling shows most Americans have no idea how many people are crossing the border. 10,000 a day. Yeah. Ten- you know what they said on Fox this morning? 2,000 a day. Ainsley said that. Well, 2,000 people a day went across the border in December. Even Fox and Friends didn't know what the figure was. 10,000 a day. It's unprecedented. <clears throat> Pardon me. Not simply in the annals of American history, but I think in terms of uh, human proportions, it has to be one of the biggest migratory waves there's ever been. It's one and a half percent of our population in a year and a half. Uh, it's unprecedented. It's five million people. In Britain, the conservatives, the Tory government is under siege because two or three hundred illegals manage to get to the UK from France every month. 200, 300, and it's a national crisis. We have 10,000 a day. We've got a government that is so out of control spending-wise. You know, all this talk about house dysfunction, I'll agree with you on this. In this environment, I would almost prefer a dysfunctional house to a functional house that's under the thumb of an untouchable, you know, sacred leader like Nancy Pelosi who can do what she wants at the snap of her fingers. Yeah, you know, the Babylon Bee had a poll yesterday, you're familiar <laughs> with that side, saying uh, Republican uh, leaders shocked when new poll comes out showing that approval for the House of Representatives has, has gone up 55 percent because it's not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I don't know. Look, Tom, the uh, the the president, I can't I can't even say it now, uh, Biden uh, this week. You know, you know, suddenly noticed the border and he's going to, you know, he's he's doing a halfway decent job with the help of the lying media to convince people that it's actually Republicans that have caused the problem. Yeah, he also, of course, compared all these illegal aliens to Jews fleeing the Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought of you when I heard that comparison. I think I you were in Israel at the time. As, as, as the, the Jew the or as the Nazi? In, yeah. in in what context did you think of it? No, I mean, this is, first of all, I mean, that is such an obscene, on so many levels, that is such an obscene comparison. First of all, it equates uh, the countries from which these people are leaving with Nazi Germany. And that's, yeah. a, and that's a disgraceful slander and libelous slur of these countries that are far from perfect. As a matter of fact, not only do they not bar people from leaving their country, they, they, they expedite them. They prioritize getting rid of them, which is not exactly what the Nazis did in occupied Europe with the Jews. It's also an utter, it's, it's a disgrace on so many levels, we probably shouldn't even have to discuss it. Yeah, but we do, because, you know, the, this uh, poll that came out a week or so ago uh, asked people, um, how many people do you think are crossing the across the United States border in the last year? And a majority of people thought it was one million or less. It's three million or more. And when you told them that it was three million or more, their view on what ought to be done completely changed. 
we didn't even we didn't run ads telling him that that three million or more people have crossed the border. Tom, uh, I don't know if uh, you probably noticed this or maybe you didn't. One of the things uh, that was embedded in the in the president's ramblings and it's hard to, you know, separate uh, mental dysfunction with uh, liberal lies and mistakes as he re- as he I mean, this guy was a world class Olympic style liar from 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 day one. So that's hardly uh, you can hardly blame that on age related dementia. This guy's a world class liar of the first order. Always has yeah, been. Absolutely. Well, one of the things he said in all that, and it was just a brief reference, was, uh, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to take care of this situation at the border and we're going to uh, reform uh, the law and, and provide a better way for people uh, to quickly become U.S. citizens. There it is. That's what this has always been about. It helps them in two ways. Obvi- the obvious one is if you get a bunch of people that just entered the country thinking that it's all because of Joe Biden and the Democrats that they got in here as easily as they did, they're future Democrat voters. But second of all, those massive numbers being sent to various places in the country – get figured into the census data on how many congressmen a state gets. If you take the illegal immigrants out of California and then decide what the population is to determine how many congressional seats you should have, they lose a dozen congressional seats that are all Democrats. There are some of these congressional. I think AOC seat in in New York, Tom, she can win that seat with about 50,000 votes. There's almost no U.S. citizens in her congressional district. So it's a big advantage for for, uh, the the Democrat Party and and the left. And uh, I'll guarantee you, Tom, another Tom, Tom Tillis, others, Republican senators, they will jump on so fast to some kind of amnesty that will be all wrapped up in more border security. And God, do I wish Rush Limbaugh was still alive. Right. Fortunately, Tom Tillis is no longer in the Senate. Of course, he was. Right. But his, his Burr, his colleague, will do the same thing. Right, right, right. Um, no, wait a minute. It's Burr. Who, who, uh, which North Carolina senator retired and is now replaced by Ted Budd? I thought that was Tom Tillis. I could be wrong. Maybe it is Richard Burr. But one advantage, even though we lost one seat in the Senate, was that we got rid of a lot of rhinos. We got rid of Richard Shelby, um, either Tom Tillis or Richard Burr, two birds of the same feather. And there were a couple of other rhinos that... Uh, but did you, did, Tom, did you see the wonderful uh, retirement gift that we gave Shelby? <laughs> What, the, I mean, the SLS, the space launch, the $10 billion boondoggle? No, oh. no. I mean, this was a huge thing. Mitch McConnell assigned outgoing Shelby to negotiate for the Republican Party on what would and would not be in the omnibus bill. <laughs> this now, that is, makes a lot of sense, right, doesn't right. it? Right, right. This is the guy that, that is responsible for the SLS space launch system. Which fifty five years after we first landed on the moon had had uh, thirteen years uh, of billions of dollars worth of expenditures to get back there with an unmanned crew uh, using used space shuttle parts i mean you can 't make this stuff up there 's a um, I thought of you Christmas Eve Wall Street Journal um, i didn 't bother you because it was Christmas Eve front page story i 'm sure you saw it. Uh, it was one of the biggest sham stories I've read in years. It was a, um, 
The headline was U.S. population growth remains sluggish despite uptick this year. And it was this big, you know, demographic, statistic-laden piece from the Census Bureau, which talked about how, you know, our replacement population is down and the average American woman has, you know, only 2.06 children. It completely, it never even mentioned illegal immigration. It never, in and of itself, in the last two years alone, Illegal immigration accounts for nearly a 2% growth in our population. And it was never mentioned once in this article in the, uh, you know, in the sacred, uh, avowedly, passionately free market, laissez-faire conservative Wall Street Journal. Uh, it is, that is amazing, Tom. You know, another thing that was in Biden's proposal is uh, enabling people that uh, want to migrate into the United States uh, to be able to uh, basically make an appointment to come into the country by going on their cell phone or on their computer. And then he gave out the, you know, the site they needed to go to. Uh, so all this can be streamlined. So these people that are being oppressed are in danger of their lives, don't know how they're going to put another meal on the table, apparently have computers and cell phones. <laughs> If they don't, by the way, we'll give them one as soon as they cross the Rio Grande. <laughs> and of course, you know these are these are uh, Nazi Nazi refu- refugees from from uh, Nazi Germany and in countries that that. Uh give their citizens access to all the accoutrements of the Internet age. You are listening to the Bauer and Rose Show on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125, and the Power and Bauer, the, the, uh, the powerful Bauer and Rose podcast on JustTheNews.com. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose Show right here on Sundays. Sirius XM Channel 125, The Patriot, as well as, uh, of course, our uh, multi-times-per-week podcast hosted by uh, JustTheNews.com. You can check us out at Google, Spotify, and iTunes. Make sure and give us a five-star rating. Recommend us to your friends and hit that subscribe button so you will uh, be automatically notified of when a new podcast emerges. So Bauer, uh, Biden is going to the border apparently today, uh, Sunday, this weekend on Sunday. And um, what do you suppose? I mean, it's the first he's going to El Paso allegedly to meet, you know, ICE officials and and some of these so-called refugees, the aliens that are illegal. Uh, what do we call them now? Remember the sportscaster in El Paso who was covering uh, one of the bowl games, I think the Sun Bowl made a comment uh, during a timeout in the action when he uh, talked about the change that he's seen in El Paso uh, over the past few years in covering that game, and he used the term illegal alien and immediately was fired. Yeah. No, isn't that amazing? Yeah, Tom, uh, this has not been pointed out by many people. Uh, Joe Biden has uh, a shorter distance to travel to get to the border 
than he would have had to travel when he first came into office. Because the definition of border is the line where a country has sovereign power over its territory. And that line is about 10 miles further north than it was at the beginning of Biden's administration. The border line has been moved, not legally moved, but in fact, it's been moved because the, the, the entities that control what used to be the U.S. border are now, that's now controlled by the drug cartels, the drug dealers, the human trafficking organizations, the people on our side of the border that are cooperating with them, et cetera. Um, many, many people that live along that border area are moving away because they can no longer take going to bed every night not knowing what's going to happen on their property. They're suffering from the equivalent of what soldiers suffer from after they're in combat day after day after day. So uh, it should not be underestimated, the damage that has already been done to America. Unbelievable. I mean, this is... um um, absolutely uh, extraordinary opportunity to continue uh, to discuss this. We've got to take another quick break. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose Show on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It is the Bauer and Rose podcast on justthenews.com and the Bauer and Rose show on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125, where we are thrilled to be back on Sundays. Let me ask you this. The RNC chair is up for grabs. We've got what? A, how many members on the RNC? 170, something like that. The election, the end of January. It's, it's Rona McDaniel versus uh, Harmeet Dillon. Any sense of where that's going or how that's coming along? And what are your thoughts on yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, you know, I hear rumors. I haven't heard anything definite one way or the other. Uh, I think that uh, uh, the current RNC chairman is probably uh, getting more and more nervous as she watches what's happening in the in the battle over who's going to be Speaker of the House. Uh, look, Tom, I, I mean, maybe I'm old fashioned. I, 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 you know, Asian culture has something uh, in it that we used to do in America which is if you mess things up, you either resign or you get fired or there's some sort of accountability. And look, the bottom line is that we were told for months that November of last year was going to be an historic victory at all levels. And it wasn't. Now, we can, you know, there are all sorts of reasons why that happened. I, you know, one reason we need to talk about this at some point is what I think is the biggest financial a political financial scandal in the history of our country, this uh, um, cryptocurrency guy, this uh, modern, uh, you know, Bernie Madoff that. Uh, oh, he makes uh, Bernie Madoff look like a. Yeah, visited looks the like White Santa House. Claus. Right. He visited the White House four times in 2022 
while he was giving millions, tens of millions of dollars to the Democratic uh, Senatorial Campaign Committee. You could make a strong case he's responsible for the Democrats getting the Senate back. Maybe that's one of the things that happened. But at any rate, I digress. Uh, Things didn't go the way they should have. And I I would have been very impressed if McCarthy and, and the head of the RNC, McDaniel, would have held a press conference and said, you know, I, I hate to do this because I'm still I still want to be in this battle. But uh, it didn't work. What we did didn't work. There's a lot of reasons. But I told you we were going to be able to do this. We were going to be able to make sure there was no cheating. We were going to get our vote out and we didn't. And so we're stepping aside to give somebody else a chance. And that would have been a noble and appropriate thing to do. No, I think Carmi Dillon is uh, just what the doctor ordered. She's brilliant. She's incredibly articulate. She's aggressive. She's formidable. Uh, Rona McDaniel, a a nice woman, but I don't think you can compare them intellectually or ideologically. Rona McDaniel uh, was an excellent fundraiser. The question, as you correctly put it was where did that money go what was it spent on and by the way i'll say one thing in defense of rona mcdaniel and uh, the rnc in general <clears throat> the charges the allegations on misuse of funds uh, that a lot of rona mcdaniel's detractors uh, have been airing in recent days and weeks to try to uh, derail her her candidacy for re-election for a third term as rnc chair a lot of that seemed to me very ticky tack i mean there was one thing you know a lot of folks were upset that they spent, what, $120,000 over the course of the year on on private air transport. I mean, that's that's 10 trips. I mean, I don't know what the 10 trips were, but that didn't seem to me to be uh, a material issue. What What's important is that the chairman of the party is able to mobilize the powers of the party to affect the electoral changes that we needed to take the Senate and to build a bigger majority in the House. And she didn't do that. No, I, I agree, Tom. Now, on that, the point about private aircraft, uh, yeah, there were a lot of expenditures there to the average working class family. It's going to look very uh, upsetting. You know, dinners at right. high scale restaurants where, you know, people are drinking wines that, you know, would be a week's salary for the guy that's, uh, uh, you know, got a manufacturing job or, or trying to provide for his family. And I do think Republicans need to be uh, more conscious. I agree. I agree. Of, uh, I agree. You know, if, I agree. Because, I, yeah, I'll tell you, the other thing that really bothers me, Tom, is I, I just see us with every day that passes where we get away, uh, a, a day further away from the Trump-Pence administration, uh, I see us going a day closer to the Wall Street uh, Republican Party. Uh, and I, I think if we do that, we're done. I mean, the argument, <clears throat> the argument on the spending— that has always made me chuckle is the notion that they had to spend $270,000 on liquor and, and fine wines to accommodate donors. And as a small dollar donor, there's nothing that drives me more nuts than going to one of these fancy events that raises money that I'm thinking, this is what they're doing with my money. You know, they're spending a quarter of a million dollars on wine. There's got to be a fine line and there's has to be, a better uh, division of spoils, for instance, catering to those who you think will help finance you effectively and being responsible for for 
the hard-earned donor dollars that uh, they're trying to attract. Yeah, you know, uh, folks, in the interest of full disclosure, um, my good friend Tom Rose is a donor uh, to American Values, my public policy organization in Washington. And the only reason I've been able to keep him as a donor is that I assure him when I buy wine for entertainment for American <laughs> Values, it's Ripple, which you can get for 89 cents a bottle. Right. At Boone's Farm, Saratoga, right. Boone's Newport, Farm apple, apple strawberry wine from, <laughs> right. Right, from Berea, Kentucky. Um, yeah. You know, Michael Anton's got this great piece in the Claremont book review this month, which, which will get us into Russia, Ukraine, China briefly. He calls it the celebration parallax. And this is a term that he invented, the celebration parallax. And it holds that the same fact pattern is either true or false, uh, noble or nefarious based upon who states it. So when some Biden flack denounces Russia as authoritarian and promises to weaken the country and get rid of Putin, you know, uh, uh, staging a coup in Moscow and and promises to remove the leader, that's fine and that's noble because the good guys are saying it. But when anyone who quotes those same words to point out how they might not be so well received in Moscow are denounced as Putin apologists, he calls that the law of salutary impossibility. He cracks me up. We aren't trying to bleed Russia white or overthrow its leadership. Um, and isn't it great that we're bleeding Russia white and trying to overthrow its leadership? Yeah, that's a that's a interesting point, Tom. I by by the way, the uh, the admirable Hudson Institute, uh, w- which um, you know has been strong on U.S. involvement in Ukraine, uh, much stronger than I am. Um, nonetheless, had a couple of its folks in the last week uh, write articles about if by any chance uh, uh, Putin succumbs to his mistakes or is taken out or uh, ends up dying from the diseases he is rumored to have, depending on each month which new disease it is, that the folks waiting in the wings uh, are not uh, folks that will make America sleep easier at night. And by the way, they are, I have to point this out because it, it, it will aggrandize me. It will make me look better. Uh, one of the art, one of the authors of that article, Peter Ruff, was uh, an intern in the uh, Trump Pence uh, White House. Wow, that's that's uh, well. Now I, I'm going to discount that. <laughs> but I, I think you know this is this is uh, uh, always what critics of nation building bring up. Uh, this isn't we're trying not trying to nation build with Russia, obviously, uh, but. You know, when you remove people out of a country like Libya or when you, you know, kick the government of Iraq out, admittedly very bad people there, you know, they they don't end up becoming a suburb of, you know, a major U.S. city, you know, that elects, you know, clean government people to office. That's just not the way the world works. And you could very well end up. With a worse government. Oh, you will. You will. Yes. Because the pressure that he's getting internally, those that are comfortable enough to express themselves, are from his right. Even Star Media, which is Russia's, 
replacement for TASS and Pravda and Isvestia, state-controlled media are now on his backside for failing to win the war in Ukraine. So the pressure that he's getting, Gary, is from his right, meaning if there is a coup, if there is uh, a change in leadership, it is much more likely to be harder and harsher than Putin is today than anything resembling uh, a Alexander Kerensky-style uh, revolt of 1917, and we saw how that turned out. That wasn't exactly uh, democracy's paradise when the Bolsheviks took over in Russia. No, no, it, it sure wasn't. Um, well, Tom, uh, you, you know, we've, we've been on so many subjects today. Let, let's stay for a second here on on Ukraine. I was shocked. I don't know. Maybe that's too big of a word uh, or too over the top of a word. But, you know, we just we just went through Christmas and I can think back when we've been in wars and, you know, Vietnam, for example, and other conflicts, et cetera, or when wars have broken out around the world that, you know, a lot of people were being killed or suffering from, that around Christmas time, you would see, particularly on the progressive left in Europe and the United States, people stepping up and saying, um, we're calling on Ukraine and, uh, and Russia uh, to observe a Christmas truce. Let's just take a week where the, the, the combat stops and maybe everybody takes a deep breath and maybe we can get more serious of coming up with a way to satisfy both countries and pull the world back from the possibility of an accidental nuclear disaster or pulls the world back from this ongoing energy crisis that is going to decimate the economy of Western Europe and is hurting our economy. But there was almost none of that. I saw one article where some uh, church leaders in the United States uh, called for that. But um, all these progressives that are never for war, AOC, left wing uh, of the left wing party, the big Democrats that, you know, always nipped at our heels anytime we confronted the communist Soviet Union uh, are, you know, we're completely silent. Uh, I, I mean, it's it is astonishing how quickly the, the Democrat Party has become the war party. Yeah, it's well, there are a lot of Republicans in that category as well. But when you look at Russian strategy since uh, their failed attempt to uh, retake the Zaporizhia Oblast after the successful Ukrainian counteroffensive, targeting civilian infrastructure, targeting energy, targeting power plants, targeting the electric grid, targeting hospitals, it's really a reversion to Russia's Second World War strategy of just obliterating everything. And it's... It, it's, can it's, I, inter can I interrupt you there? So yeah. obviously hospitals should be off limit. But are you buying into the idea that if you're at war, and a war that is in some ways existential, that it's inappropriate, it's, to, inappropriate to bomb power stations? Well, it's, it, the question is, who is it existential for? Is this an existential war for Russia or an existential war for Ukraine? I mean, Ukraine didn't invade Russia. Ukraine isn't seeking to deny Russian national identity. The, the, you're right, obviously. Uh, there are no rules in love and war, as they say. But um, 
what's interesting is that, and I, and I agree with the approach, by the way, because it's unnecessarily escalatory and provocative and you don't know where it goes, but we've been putting, and the West in general has been putting tremendous pressure on Ukraine, I don't know how successfully, to avoid responding in kind uh, inside Russia, targeting Russian infrastructure, because that, you never know where that's going to go. Uh, but if you're, you're playing the strictly moral <clears throat> code and card here, uh, this war is not existential for Russia, it's existential for Ukraine. Well, but, but, okay, so I know, I know we're going down a dangerous road here. I, I take a backseat to nobody in my opposition to the Soviet Union. I don't take a backseat to anybody on my disdain for Vladimir Putin. But, Tom, without getting too deep in the woods here, in the, in the weeds, um, if, if Russia today was making alliances with countries that bordered the United States and signing mutual defense pacts with them, you and I would be going ballistic about the existential threat to the United States. Well, it depends on when we start the conversation. If we invaded Mexico, it's actually happening in reverse in a peaceful sense, but if we're invading Mexico and we seek to <clears throat> deny uh, Mexican claims to sovereignty and independence, and that Mexico doesn't really exist as a country. And then Mexico's neighbors, including, let's say, external forces, geostrategic uh, powers like China and Russia, decided to try and take advantage of our weakness after we had exposed ourselves as not being able to follow through on our promises and pledges to destroy Mexico. Uh, uh, then I think the calculus would look similar to what we have today. Well, I, I mean, again, we could, you know, we could spend hours on, on this. Uh, I, I mean, to, to me, it's kind of interesting that uh, we're constantly told that the Russian military is a joke, that they've been a total failure, that they can't do anything right, that their weapons don't work, their soldiers run at the first sign of combat, that Putin is a paper tiger. And then in the very next sentence, we're told if we don't go to the brink of nuclear war, he's going to sweep Eastern Europe and put it all back in the old Russia. No, you're right. So it can't be both. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's back to, you know, Michael Anton's uh, hilarious piece, The Celebration Parallax, that when the same fact pattern holds for both sides, it only depends upon who's stating the fact pattern, right? When some flack denounces Russia, uh, he's noble and, and meritorious. When someone on the other side uses that same language, uh, he's a scumbag. He's a Putin apologist. I totally agree. We're out of time. What? That's impossible because I'm not out of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> we are out of time. Have a great weekend, everybody. Make sure and catch us on justthenews.com, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and right here on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125.